folks. I've done everything I can, every electronic crack I could find to get my message out to people. Okay. I just need you to go out and be leaders and warn everybody about what's going on. And you're like, well, how do I do that? Go to the CDC's website, print out how it can kill you and all the bad things it can do. And then show people news articles saying vaccines are safe and effective. You'll see that everywhere. And go show people, look, they say there's no side effects here. Here's a hundred pages right here. Here's the uh, PrisonPlanet.com posting a Mike Adams story. Ten outrageous but true facts about vaccines the CDC and the vaccine industry don't want you to do. You know what I want? I don't even have time to tell the nightly news what I want to cover every night. You know what I want covered tomorrow night? I want this covered tomorrow night. I want GMOs covered. I want what's going on covered. I want to fight these son of a bitches. I don't want to have half measures. I don't want to die and have them win. I'm sick of their crap. And I don't know how to totally beat them, but first, like Howard Beale says in Network, you've got to get mad. You've got to get angry, you've got to find your humanity, and you've got to start kicking some New World Order ass in the info war before this thing gets physical. But I'm not going to sit here. You notice it came out a month ago. Oh, Virginia, oh, California, we're still sterilizing foster kids. <laughs> first, it was prisoners. Well, they deserve it. See, they're trying to sell it. Then, oh, it was foster kids, too. Yeah, well, after you rape them. They're already committing crimes everywhere. And you notice, you know why they come out and tell you? Oh, we gave kids in Guatemala syphilis too in vaccines. We apologize. Remember that this year, Hillary? They apologize. They're telling you to just get you used to it, to psychologically inoculate you so that as all this comes out, it's like, so we gave 100 million Americans, as estimated, all these new rare cancers in a cocktail of viruses in your polio vaccine, the live vaccine, we shoot up kids' noses. What's the big deal, pumpkin? Isn't dying young fun? I mean, these, these people... These people are assaulting us under common law, ladies and gentlemen. They could all be rounded up and hung. Okay, but they've got Homeland Security geared up to try to keep the clamps down while they murder us slow. They love the fact they're killing you and your family. They enjoy it. People tune into the show. They go, this guy's far out. I'm not far out. They're far out. Here's Harari saying we're going to make aliens on Earth. We're going to merge the machines and be a new life form, a new ruling alien class on Earth. See, they're building the aliens, the biomedical AI merger with our flesh, the raping of humanity. It's the same story from Roswell in the late 40s with Colonel Corso, heavily promoted everywhere by the biggest publishers, by the biggest movie makers. That was system funded because they don't want you to understand the full spectrum of interdimensional contact and the fact that it's always been here. And these things actually aren't alien. They're part of our existence and part of our story here. If anything's the aliens, it's us put here on this planet by God. And there's these things that were already basically here. We've probably not been here as long as this thing's been here. If you really read the ancient text of the Bible. So they don't want you to know it's far more complex and they're not in control of it. All they're doing is being demonically inspired by these creatures that will only give them hellraiser vision. It will only give them how to have technology for evil because it doesn't like us. This is just a training camp where our father has put us here. We think we're only living on one life so that we're in this super scared position but having all these spiritual and ancestral intergalactic interdimensional memories. And it's all a giant three-dimensional real scenario war game. And
And they don't want you to know that. And they don't want you to understand they signed on to the wrong team. They joined with the destructive force, the evil force, so they can have power during this, the third dimensional simulation. It's a three-dimensional genetic universal simulation. It's, it's a real simulation. It's just that it's forever war. You don't die when you die. You're an electrochemical, multidimensional creature. This is only one lowest manifestation of you. You have glorified heavenly bodies. There's this first heaven, the second heaven, the third heaven. It's all right there for you to understand. And, and again, what is the heaven? A dimension. They are programming that aliens are these little stupid gray things and they want to kidnap us at night and take stuff from us. And there is some evidence for some lower level creatures. They're like a biological android. This whole big UFO thing is a distraction that, oh, the aliens are harassing our ships. The aliens are harassing our troops. No, that's the globalists with their advanced technology playing games so they can brand contact with the angels and, and God as the devil. When really, we're here with the devil. We're We see me. This is amazing. Okay. I was watching on a separate screen getting distracted by my own mug, and now I can see it in real time. Good afternoon, East Coast. Good evening, Europe. And good morning, Pacific, you know, West Coast. This is a first for me. I've been a guest on the show a couple of times. I've had Alex on my channel a few times. And now I'm going to do a two-hour segment. And it's going to be beautiful because it comes pretty much at an amazing time when there's actual... Developing news, and we're going to have something of a breaking sort of never-before-yet-heard story uh, involving something that's going along in the Trump trial in Colorado. There's so many Trump trials going on right now that people are likely to get confused. But if you're watching InfoWars and you're asking yourself, who the heck is this talking to me right now? Viva Fry. Uh, my, real, in, my real name is David Fry. Some people were actually disappointed when they found out my name was not Viva. Last name, Freiheit, verbatim, freedom in German. Uh, there's an old expression, nomen es omen, something in the name. I'm a lawyer by trade, was a lawyer by trade, uh, now retired to the interwebs, legal, political analysis commentary. Uh, do a weekly stream with Robert Barnes, who is a reputable brain of a lawyer, is an understatement. Every Sunday night, channel is Viva Fry on Rumble. Um, and I cover the stuff that's going on in the world in terms of law stuffs, as we colloquially refer to it in the industry. The stuff that's been going on this week. I mean, the, the breaking news set aside the fact that the world seems to be um, on fire and hopefully, uh, you know, on a geopolitical scale, things get um, brought back to a level of sanity sometime sooner than later. Fingers crossed, hoping. Trump. Trump is on... Not one trial, not two trial, two trials out of New York. He's got the D.C. trial out of, uh, out of D.C. with Jack Smith, uh, a, a Judge Chutkin that I think has just actually agreed to postpone the trial. He's got a trial in Florida. No, it was the Florida one that got postponed. We have gone from 2016 election. Russians interfered with the election to cause Trump to get elected to 2020. One cannot question 
or ask any questions, however innocuous, however obvious, about the integrity of elections to 2020, what are we now, 2023, heading into 2024, and we're witnessing what I am calling, I don't think I've coined the term, but I'm going to make it popular, institutionalized election interference. We have gone from accusing Trump of colluding to interfere in the 2016 election that got him elected to criminalizing, to some extent, and to a greater extent than less than we're going to see in a second, criminalizing, forbidding any discussion questioning the uh, integrity of elections in 2020 to institutionalized election interference right now, as we're seeing in the Alvin Bragg, persecution of Donald Trump out of New York for the hush money payment. Leticia James, persecution of Trump for alleged fraud. We're going to get to that later on in the show after we have our exclusive. Then we've got uh, Jack Smith out of D.C. We've got another uh, indictment in Florida as relates to uh, classified documents. We've got the Georgia Fannie Willis indictment uh, where we're seeing people cut deal after deal. Uh, One is left to interpret why. And now we are going through a current trial, I'm not sure if everybody's following it out there, in Colorado, a civil trial to have Trump's name not removed from, not included on, excluded from the ballot of both the primaries and the general in Colorado. Why? It's a legal theory that legal scholars, and I'm using that uh, facetiously, glibly, I'm using that counter, sarcastically, legal minds such as Lawrence Tribe floated around to exclude from the ballot, not just anybody, the leading political adversary on the basis of the 14th Amendment third subparagraph of the Constitution shall be excluded anyone who has participated in insurrection, aiding and abetting an enemy against the United States of America. And although Trump has never been convicted of insurrection, heck, he's never been charged with insurrection, the, the only trial getting close to anything related to that would be out of D.C., and that hasn't even gone to trial yet. You got a Colorado activist group trying to have Trump excluded from the ballot uh, of the election. The trial is going on right now, and we're going to talk about it. There's a, a journalist whose name you've probably heard of now because it came up during the trial uh, on day three. Ashley Epp, not to be confused with Ray Epps, no relation. I've, I've double-checked this. Um, Ashley Epp, a name that gets mentioned in open court for allegedly live-streaming the trial. We're going to get to all of this, but Ashley has been covering this trial day in and day out, as, as have a number of other people. Robert Gouveia watching The Watchers. Uh, there's uh, a couple of people live-tweeting it. Ashley's going to come on and talk about what's going on in this trial and how the heck... Her name got brought up specifically during this trial. I've got her in the backdrop. I'm going to bring her up and see if this works here. Let me see. Add to stage. And now what I'm going to do is remove myself so that I can see it the next. I can see the next break is in a matter of time. Ashley, can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Oh, yes. I can hear you. Let me bring this in so we don't need to waste as much valuable real estate. Ashley. Okay, we're going to get into a lot of this. We're going to get into what is going on with you. Potentially, personally, having your name mentioned in open court during a live stream, i got to ask you how that felt. But look, before we even get there, you're a reporter. You've been covering a number of things, and we'll get to it. But you've been covering this trial day in and day out. Tell the world who you are. So, first of all, happy anniversary of the stolen election. It's November 3rd. It's the third anniversary of uh, stolen election. So, happy anniversary, everybody. Um, the world's going well isn't it, since since that happened. Uh, so I am based in Colorado. I am a contributor to Badlands Media, uh, badlandsmedia.tv. We cover, you know, we do 
normal news in the mornings. And then, you know, we get into some of the counter narrative, alternative news, uh, type stuff, you know, on, on, on more of our shows. Um, I loved the the Alex Jones intro. I'm actually working on a series right now of the 13 bloodlines connected to biblical chronology and world history. So what does the truth tell us from the word of God? And uh, I have behind, um, behind here, I have this whole giant map of uh, bloodlines and, and whatnot. So that's why I have, that's why I have the curtain up because it's very distracting otherwise. Um, but I've it, been, for a second, com- it looked, it, it looked like, it looked like a board game for a while. I have no idea what that is. But <laughs> yeah. It's uh so it's, it's a chart that maps world history against what, uh, biblical, biblical bloodlines. So we're taking that and comparing it to, you know, Illuminati bloodlines, good, good fun stuff. All, all, you know, easy, simple, simple topics to cover. Um, but I, uh, I've been covering Colorado. I, I, I write locally. I have a, a column in a widely circulated, still in print newspaper covering Colorado politics. I mostly focus on the GOP because the GOP in Colorado is establishment. It's been fight. The America first people have been fighting the GOP before really even fighting um, Democrats in our state. But I've been on Jenna Griswold's radar since uh, 2021 and um, I, there, there's a lot to get into about, uh, well, what, what happened. There's a, there's a lot of players involved in this. So yeah. tell us, first of all, who are the plaintiffs in this? Cause one of the talking points in the media is that there's four Republicans. So this is bipartisan. This is just after justice and it has nothing to do with partisan politics. There's a term called the uniparty that I've gotten recently familiar with, but you'll get into it. Who are the plaintiffs in this lawsuit? So this is interesting because it's six voters that are allegedly suing Jenna Griswold, the secretary of state of Colorado and Trump and the Colorado GOP are intervening. So that's why you hear them referred to in the trial as interveners. The six voters are four Republicans, allegedly, and two um, independents. One of the Republicans is a woman named Norma Anderson. She was a legislator here in the state of Colorado. Her daughter-in-law is Pam Anderson, who was the executive director for the Center for Tech and Civic Life, the Mark Zuckerberg's organization that flooded Colorado elections with $400 million. So there's their Republican, they have an R next to their name, but they are very much, in my opinion, very much establishment focused, uh, establishment players in this. There we go. Okay. Excellent. Um, and and, hold on, there's a bit of an echo now because I'm trying to, um, trying to make sure I can see when the breaks come because I'm not used to managing commercial breaks. Uh, okay. So those are the plaintiffs. Griswold, who's she? Griswold is the secretary of state of Colorado. So she's technically the respondent in this case. So like the defense, right? They're suing her to keep Trump off the ballot. Now on the first day, her, well, the attorney for the the petitioners stood up and said for Jenna Griswold, she's not going to present a defense. She's going to go basically with whatever the court decides, but she will make her elect deputy elections director available for comment. Last year, we put this book out. The Great Reset and the War for the World, it became a number one national bestseller. Now we've put part two out and it's even thicker and more powerful. The Great Awakening, the plan to defeat the globalists and launch the second great renaissance. This is such a powerful book. It covers all the globalist plans, the latest developments, how to stop them, and then gives an alternate plan of the society we could build together. That's why it's The Great Awakening. The Great Awakening is happening right now. You can get signed or unsigned copies of the book at InfoWarsStore.com. This is a historic book. I want to thank you all for your support. 
This is next level information, and it's a great way to not just support the broadcast, but inform yourself of the next level and share the book with friends and family. So whether you want one copy or multiple copies, go now to InfoWarsStore.com and get The Great Awakening. This is going to go to number one. I want to thank you for your support. It's a powerful book. Get yours now. Bodies is back. The ultimate turmeric product on the market has returned to InfoWarsStore.com and is now 25% off for a limited time. Utilized for thousands of years, turmeric is one of the most studied medicinal herbs today. Hundreds of peer-reviewed scientific articles are published every year on the chemistry and therapeutic potential of turmeric and its active components. Bodies will reduce inflammation throughout the body, help boost and support flexibility, increase mobility, assist in joint function, bolster your immune system and so much more regular turmeric from the store contains about one to five percent of the active ingredient curcuminoids but our super powerful extract using bodies contains over 95 percent of the active ingredients in turmeric no other product can compare with this curcuminoid delivery system so if you want to put the true power of turmeric to the test then look no further grab yourself a bottle today for 25 percent off at m4store.com and put your body at ease you're listening to The Alex Jones Show. From the front lines of the information war, it's Alex Jones. Before we cut the break, before we got to the answer, you were explaining how uh, they're proceeding with insurrection removal in the absence of an actual criminal sure. conviction. All right, go for so, it. So their case that they're that they're making that they've outlined for the judge and that they seem to be arguing towards is that Trump led the insurrection on January 6th, but it appears that the legal standard they're, that they're trying to prove to the judge for the judge to rule in their favor is that Trump participated in the insurrection. And they brought in a scholar from the fort, you know, a, a constitutional scholar to speak about the section three of the 14th amendment. And that really seems to be where they're going from a legal standpoint, from a uh, court of public opinion standpoint, they're all in on Trump led the insurrection. And I personally don't believe there was an insurrection except what happened on November 3rd. So, well, so, and now getting into the, we'll get into the trial before we get into the, um, the incident. I've been covering it from day one, but what, what have been your highlights in terms of who are the witnesses, what they're presenting, what evidence has been adduced or not adduced, the potential bias of the judge in this case refused to recuse herself, notwithstanding having made a $100 donation to a political, an activist organization that has determined that it was an insurrection as well, already. So what, what have been some of the, the most important highlights that you've seen thus far in the week? So I, I think that the the most important um, for for our liberty and for the legal precedents that the the petitioners and and really the law for the the lawfare organizations that are behind the petitioners i think their most important witness has been dr pete Simi. dr pete Simi is a uh, sociologist who uh, he's an expert in far right extremism which appears to um, be a discipline that he's invented uh, his takeaways were so. I'm going to just kind of read through some of uh, some of the some of the points that he made in his testimony. He testified testified for almost an entire day. It was very long. Uh, far right extremists are those who believe that corruption is a significant problem and that special interests are running the world. That's uh, one of his takeaways. Now, important on that is in October of 2022, the New York Times shocked themselves when they published their Siena poll 
which showed 68% of likely U.S. voters believe that the number one issue that we face is corruption and that the government works on behalf of the elites and not the people. So that is apparently, according to this expert on far-right extremism, that is far-right extremism, is believing that. Uh, Alex Jones, Enrique Otario, Stuart Rhodes, and Nick Fuentes, these are all names that he mentions explicitly, are extremists that President Trump communicates to via coded message coded messages and dog whistles. Um, we got that all caps, uh, speaking in all caps is a sign of escalating far-right extremism. Speaking about 1776 generally in this environment means that you're an extremist and it doesn't matter. This is the part that's really important is that it doesn't matter that Trump says peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard or that he says, um, not the white supremacists and neo-Nazis, they should be condemned totally. Those things are said to give cover to him and his, his extremists know this. And it's a, it's a, um, a double speak tool that's used. So when he says, uh, you know, peacefully and patriotically, the, the far right extremists know that that means go take over the Capitol and go take over the Capitol building and, um, President Trump just says peacefully and patriotically to give himself cover and plausible deniability. Well, let, let me let me bring this up because it, it's like I, I called it TDS in one image. Let me just see mm-hmm. if we're looking at the same thing here. This. Oh, this is how Trump led the insurrection. And I'll, I'll you know, read it out loud. Trump summoned and organized the mob. And they got summoned and organized in blood red. Trump's lies gave the mob a common purpose. Trump incited the mob at the ellipse, knowing they were armed and dangerous, which I'm still curious about because as far as I knew, nobody had any firearms. I don't know what they mean by armed. Trump commanded the mob to the Capitol, uh, claiming he would go down with them. Trump further incited the mob with his tweets during the attack. Trump helped the mob by refusing to mobilize resources I'm going to get to all of this. You know, I've talked about it at length um, over the week. But um, first of all, was Simi, was there a, what they call a voir dire? Was there anything to to determine Simi's expertise as an expert? He, so they talked. He's written books. He's written articles. He's he's testified as an expert before. They did credentialize him, you know, to some extent, and he did. She did allow it. Uh, now she's he's he's testifying as an expert witness on far right extremism, not about the events of that day, right? So he's not he's not testifying that he knew what was going on in Trump's head. Although in some of his testimony, he pretty much said that he knew what was going on in Trump's head. Um, the, one of the best parts was when they played all of the Democrat politicians talking about, you know, get in, get in the streets, make sure they know that they're not welcome here. If you see them, you know, at a, absolutely, at a ga- absolutely gasoline, them, uh, Maxine Waters. Yeah. Yeah. Gasoline station, as Maxine Waters says, um, you know, make them uncomfortable, all of those kinds of things. And he testified, you know, he would need more context to know if that was far right extremism. And he said, you know, we all engage in double double speak from time to time, but far right extremists do it as a call to violence, and that's what makes them different. Um, if you pull up that image again, I can kind of walk through the evidence they've presented on each of those points because okay, uh, it's, it's very weak. This is a very oh, weak I, I can't, I can't, I can't, I, cl- I, cl- I closed it, but the, the, oh, okay. the evidence, go for it. So Trump summoned the mob, right? That's that's one of the things that they've said is that Trump summoned the mob. The that that is his tweets leading up to January 6th and the big one that they keep bringing up is 
be there in, on January 6th that's going to be WILD. And WILD mm-hmm. is written in all caps, and that is a, a call for the far-right extremists to come to Washington, D.C. and uh, ostensibly take over the Capitol building. That's uh, that's the point on on the first one. I'm going to pull up the image because I have I know all the six points, but I don't know them in order off the top of my head. Well, I, I, I've been watching it. The, the, the yeah. evidence is sparse at best. They had one of the Capitol officers talk about how he was uh, assaulted, which, which he was. The question yeah. just becomes, was that as a result of Trump's insurrection? And they're talking about a passive form of insurrection. Trump didn't call in additional resources. Hence, it's sort of almost a passive, um, a passive insurrection as opposed to actively engaging in insurrection. Yes, that's that's exactly right, and um, that's that's their sixth point, which is a great segue to uh, you know what what happened on Wednesday. Um, Trump's lies gave the mob common purpose. Is this their second point? That is the lie about the election, the 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 big lie, right? That the election was the safest and most secure election in history, and nobody should have any questions about the fact that five states unprecedented stopped counting all at the same time on election night. That the uh, election night voting uh, election night reporting system that the media uses to call the election results went down. And when it came back up, it was all zeroed out. And then the, the totals were inverted off of that. All of these things are conspiracy theories. They're well-documented, but they're conspiracy theories. And this lie about the election being stolen gave the mob common purpose. The third well, point is the armed I, and date. Oh, go ahead. Well, I, I just want to say one thing. If the, and we're going to probably end up going to break and then talking about how you came up here personally. Uh, in this trial, but if the I said the, if the only thing that was done was intelligence lying about the Hunter Biden laptop, writing it off as Russian disinformation, social media censoring it and the links sharing it, if that were the only thing that were done, that already there is definitive uh, outcome affecting election interference. So to write it off as uh, an unquestionable lie, um, it, it's it's untenable at best. So all, all that say, we can argue the degrees to which and, and some of the more disputable stuff, but. 30 seconds before we had to break. Tell us about the armed invaders. Armed. So so the Capitol Police officers, uh, they testified that armed meant they took the people at the Capitol, took things off the police officers, beat with their own batons. Why do you think the globalists are desperately trying to censor everybody? Why are they attacking myself and Donald Trump and Elon Musk and everybody else? Because they can't get through this giant megalomaniacal power grab if we're here exposing them. But we're not just exposing their operation. In my new book, we give you the solutions to build a new, better world, an alternative to Klaus Schwab's You Will Eat the Bugs. This is the Great Awakening, the plan to defeat the globalist and launch the second great renaissance. It's a companion to my last book that was a number one worldwide bestseller. And this book is even thicker and even more powerful. Get your copy of The Great Awakening today at InfoWarsStore.com. Either signed as a fundraiser, and I thank you for the support, or unsigned. But whatever you do, take action now. We're fighting for you, but we can't keep on if you don't support us. So please, get the historic book now. Go now to InfoWarsStore.com and get The Great Awakening. The Great Awakening at InfoWarsStore. Please uh, remember... You're listening to The Alex Jones Show. On March 6, 2001, Alex Jones first predicted the September 11th attack on the World Trade Center. You've got an element of the FBI and these war game scenarios where they can remote control a 747 and they're going to crash it into the World Trade Center. 
While other networks lie to you about what's happening now, InfoWars tells you the truth about what's happening next. Visit InfoWars.com forward slash show and share the link today. Of the evidence being introduced to prove insurrection. Go over this, Ashley, before we get into the uh, part where you get called out seemingly in the middle of this trial for live streaming the trial. What was the armed and dangerous about? Sure. So uh, things they took off the police officers, and this is the testimony of the Capitol Police. There were things that they took off the police over officers, shields, batons, uh, helmets, other things. that they, So at the Capitol, um, there were barricades and, you know, uh, uh, like the fencing and whatnot. Those were used as weapons. And then they said sharpened flagpoles. Um, which is, uh, they, they provided no evidence for this. They showed no sharpened flagpoles, but that is apparently what the people brought with them from the ellipse to the Capitol was sharpened flagpoles. Now the, um, testimony yesterday, they, the cross-examination of a man named Tom Bjorkland, who was at January 6th, they talked about weapons that were, uh, confiscated at the ellipse. So there were knives, um, there were tasers, pepper spray, those kinds of things. So the fact that there was that at the ellipse and then the sharpened flagpoles brought and then they used, you know, they found weapons at the Capitol is how they're saying that people were armed. All right. Now, actually, we're watching the trial and it was during Wednesday where the at some point there's a break and the plaintiff's attorney says it's come to our attention that someone is live streaming this trial and they have close to 10,000 people watching. And then they drop a name, Ash Epp or Ashley Epp, Ashley Epp, um, which I, I said, yes. which I imagine, which I imagine has to be somewhat um, flabbergasting to be in the middle of a, uh, you know, one of the biggest election trials. I, I would argue in American history, one of them, and have your name come up. What happened? How did they identify you? And why do you think there's a little something more to what's going on than them just taking issue with someone live streaming this trial? Sure. So uh, the moment is important. It was right after Cash Patel had absolutely wiped the floor with the petitioner's attorney. Now, I was live streaming this trial for three days. It wasn't a problem until after Cash Patel's testimony. And it was just about the, 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 the first thing after Cash Patel's testimony that they wanted to shut down live streaming. But why me? There was loads of people that were live streaming the trial. And uh, I don't know if you have the clip uh, that that they play, but they, they misrepresent the Eric Olson is the attorney for the petitioners. He used to work for the Colorado attorney general's office. I've given public testimony or public comment on, on bills and, and uh, emergency orders and things in front of him before Jenna Griswold knows who I am. All of these people know who I am, but they, they made it to the, to the court that some random person on the internet is, is live streaming this. And then they said, my name, Ashley Epp, uh, which is nowhere in any of my content. Um, it's a, I was live streaming on Badlands, badlandsmedia.tv. The logo for Badlands was on the screen. The channel that I was on was Badlands. My name that I use is Ash or Ash in America. My professional name that I used before this was Ash. At, I don't use my government name. The only place that my government name is uh, that these people know um, is in government documents or in the lawsuit against me that Jenna Griswold is a witness in. Well, and now I want to bring that up just to share it because this might explain a little more. You are a defendant in a lawsuit accusing you of voter intimidation. This is from the League of Women's Voters. Just read the headline because the headline framing is everything. Major voting rights victory. Federal court rejects extremist attempt to defeat voter intimidation lawsuit. So you are um, 
you're a defendant to a lawsuit that is accusing you of voter intimidation, and you think that there might be some personal grudge against the players involved in the Trump persecution uh, as relates to your own personal, uh, let's call it a prosecution. So um, Laura Loomer did a great article yesterday on Crew, the organization that's bringing this case against President Trump. So I would encourage everybody to see this, the 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 dark, you know, dark ne- dark ne- dark network that's behind Trump's lawsuit. But two of the um, original parties to this case against President Trump was an organization, law firm called Free Speech for People and a civil rights organization called Mi Familia Vota. Both of those organizations are parties to my case. Uh, Free Speech for People is one of the attorneys, and Mi Familia Vota is one of the plaintiffs. The plaintiffs are the League of Women Voters, the NAACP, and Mi Familia Vota. This has been going on since March of 2022. We've never spoken publicly about it before, um, and it is because we canvassed the 2020 election. We went door-to-door in a very statistically sound way. It was peer-reviewed. Our methodology is is above reproach. We've completely complied with all discovery. We've given them everything that, that we have uh, in response. They, in turn, really provided very little discovery. Two of the plaintiff organizations provided no responses to, to our discovery requests. And the League of Women Voters provided very minimal. Um, I don't recall, I think, is the most common response that was provided during depositions. There's no evidence. It's completely baseless. Um, and the But the parties are the same. And what really was interesting yesterday was in the afternoon testimony, the organization, uh, USEIP, U.S. Election Integrity Plan, that's the extremist organization that was up on that. League of Women Voters, uh, it's been, USEIP has been dismissed as a defendant in the case. So it's just me, uh, Holly Kaysen, and um, retired Air Force Colonel Lieutenant uh, uh, Colonel Sean Smith. Um, we are the defense, the, the defendants in this case. And uh, USEIP was brought up in the questioning yesterday afternoon in Trump's case. So very interesting connection points. And the fact that they picked me out, used my full name, which again is nowhere in any of my content. The Badlands logo was on the stream. I was on the Badlands channel, but they called me out by name. I don't think it's a coincidence. Well, that and it's being broadcast on C-SPAN, CNN, everywhere. They, they talk about a broader uh, a media uh, net yeah. that's allowed to rebroadcast. But, Ash, I'm going to uh, finish up the segment just by briefly talking about the New York stuff. But thank you very much for coming on. And uh, you're on Twitter, at Ash in America. That's correct. All right. Uh, Ashley, yeah. thank you very much. And, and Thanks so much. Keep up the good work. All right. Now we're going to go, you know, back it up and go over to New York State where um, – we have the other part of the Trump persecution, and everybody has to appreciate. I mean, it's clear for those who are paying attention, uh, but everybody has to appreciate that this is the end of uh, a system that had hitherto been a respectable system. The system of justice, which has now turned into a weaponized, systematic um, system of injustice, where you have Alvin Bragg, New York, Leticia James, New York, gag order out of New York, gagging Trump from what he can and cannot say. And yesterday in the Leticia James, New York trial, we had the judge uh, basically reprimanding Trump's attorneys uh, for having suggested that there's a little bit too much discussion between Judge Engeron and um, his clerk, who... uh, who has been accused of being somewhat partisan. And if anybody has any doubts... We have to go back and remember what Judge Engron once upon a time said about having tools to get the results in law that he wants. Juries get it wrong a lot. 
That's my own opinion. I do only civil trials, personal injury cases, contract disputes. But I've had situations where like, oh my, my heaven's sake, how could they have thought that? Well, I have a um, listen to this. Says I have a the tool part that I can deal loud. with that. It's called jury notwithstanding the verdict, judgment notwithstanding the verdict. We'll cut it there. Uh, everybody can go watch that interview. It's a it's a lengthy speech that he gives to a, a group of aspiring journalists where he discusses the tools that he has at his disposal to get to the results that he wants in law. And at one point in that speech, he says, "Am I following the law or am I making the law?" Well, we all have our bias, and I have some tools. In the New York case, Trump has been gagged now, fined $5,000 for one alleged violation of the gag order, $10,000 for a subsequent breach, and the sanctions are going to keep going up and up and up. And you have Leticia James, the attorney general, taking to Twitter, exploiting of the gag order to give daily rundowns of what's going on in that trial, rundowns which I would say are arguably less than accurate. And they've called up Trump's three children, Ivanka made a motion to quash the subpoena. That was dismissed by Judge Angeron. All three are going to testify. It's a perjury trap. Nothing short of it. Um, And we are witnessing the wholesale weaponization of the justice system as a whole. Uh, To be followed, these are important cases that everybody has to know about. And um, with that said, I think we're going to be heading into a break in a bit. This is the Alex Jones Show. Viva Fry filling in. Where were you when humanity was fighting for its life? Where were you when the globalists were caught trafficking millions of children for sex slavery worldwide? Where were you when the New World Order was starting World War III with Russia? Well, I know where you are. You're watching and listening to InfoWars.com right now, and I salute you and thank you. And I want to encourage all of you who've been in this fight so long to realize we've reached the critical juncture in the battle now. And a key tool in that fight is the Great Awakening defeating the globalists and launching the next great renaissance. This is my second book, part two of The Great Reset and the War of the World. It's a longer book, a quite frankly more powerful book. And just like the last book went to number one, it is up to you to send us to number one right now. This is a cultural fight against the globalists, and it funds the info war. Get signed or unsigned copies of The Great Awakening right now at InfoWarsStore.com. I want to thank you all for your support, but this is a book everybody needs. Get your copy of The Great Awakening right now. Omega-3 fatty acids are needed for optimal strength, and they can only be obtained through diet. They can be found in grass-fed beef, which is why the ruling class is trying to ban it. And they can be found in fish, which are arguably the best source of omega-3s. But the problem today is finding fish without a high mercury content. Your best option is our ultimate fish oil and ultimate krill oil at InfoWarsStore.com. Omega-3 fatty acids are essential for both our neurological and cardiovascular systems, our brain and our heart. They improve mood, mental clarity, and immune function. Get your essential omega-3 fatty acids from the best sources available, ultimate fish oil and ultimate krill oil. Get some today at InfoWarsStore.com. program leftists failed to silence it's the alex jones show have filling in for the alex jones show um 
And look, I said we were going to be done with the Trump persecution, but we're not yet done with the Trump persecution because I realize now we have a, a couple of more minutes where I can actually bring up Leticia James's daily Twitter updates. Everybody out there, despite what I look like, I was actually once upon a time a practicing attorney with, I had 12 plus years of active commercial litigation practice under my belt in La Belle Province de Quebec, uh, sworn in 2007. I don't often talk about my experience because I never much liked my experience as a lawyer, but I have practice in Quebec and I'm not just uh, some dude talking without having had any meaningful experience in litigation. That being said, I'm only Quebec certified and Canadian federal law, so I don't know the law of, of foreign jurisdictions, although I can sort of read and make myself understand it. Looking at what Leticia, or as um, some, some of the other legal online commentators, Robert Gouveia calls her Tish. If anybody doesn't know Robert Gouveia watching The Watchers, gr another great lawyer online doing the legal work for people to understand what's going on in the world, calls her Tish James. I think that's also in her Twitter handle. Leticia James is the Attorney General uh, for the state of New York. She campaigned in 2018, literally on the platform of um, going after Trump, L literally, verbatim. I pulled up some clips and it's an amazing thing. Go back and watch some of her talks at the time. Uh, her platform, I'm going to go after Donald Trump. She called him an illegitimate president. She suggested he was a Russian asset. She suggested in one of her one of her videos, one of her interviews, that he was involved in foreign money laundering. She promised to go after him because it was a known fact that Trump couldn't, um, couldn't get any domestic bank loans, which we now know is not only not the case, but she had to pivot her, her legal theory. At one point in one of her videos, she says, we all know that Trump can't get any domestic, domestic bank loans. So where's all his money coming from, suggesting it was from foreign money laundering? She campaigned off a platform of persecuting Trump, got elected, and then is in the process now of carrying it out, going after Trump for the fraud of having allegedly fraudulently overvalued the value of his properties. It's a legal case that is, as far as I understand it, so preposterous, so outlandish, that unless you are a partisan hack, you understand that it is baseless. That is effectively a victimless allegation of fraud, except Leticia James' claim is that Trump defrauded New York. He defrauded the banks out of higher interest rates that they would have charged him had he properly evaluated his assets as though the banks didn't do their own valuations, whatever. I don't know if it's improper, but I suspect it is. Leticia James has been taking to Twitter to comment on, put out these daily uh, summaries, which I think have been wildly inaccurate of the evidence adduced during the trial, framing it, making accusations, bold accusations, although there has already been a, a finding of fraud in that case with Judge Engeron, the, the judge who we saw the soundbite before, has all the tools to either follow the law or make the law as per his own personal biases. There's been a summary judgment finding of fraud as relates to the valuation of the Mar-a-Lago property. Uh, which Judge Engeron, basing it on county appraisers, said is worth 18 to $27 million, where fair market value for an empty lot on Mar-a-Lago is in the order of $100 plus million. Set all that aside. Summary judgment finding of fraud as a matter of law. The Judge Engeron, who has all the tools under his belt, imposed a gag order. He uh, issued sanctions in virtue of that, that gag order. While Donald Trump is gagged, cannot comment on the staff, 
the potentially partisan compromise staff of this judge, Leticia James, is taking to Twitter to give daily updates of this trial. Now, I've given you a longer um, summary of the trial for those of you who don't know what's going on than I should have, because I'm going to play a bit of Leticia James when we come back from the commercial break. But it's her, da- it's her daily summary. It's your two minutes of hate from uh, 1984. I'll play that for you when we come back from the break. Um, and then we're going to get into what's going on in Canada as relates to the euthanasia numbers. Medical assistance in dying is Justin Trudeau's euphemism for it. Once upon a time, they used to call it mercy killings. 13,000 Canadians killed by the government with medical assistance in dying. That represents 4.1% of all death in Canada. Alex Jones Show, Viva Fry. We'll be back after the break. Stay tuned. It's going to be Rallying patriots worldwide in defense of human liberty. It's Alex Jones. I think I see myself live on camera now. I do. I wanted to play this in the last segment, but uh, I talked for too long. I'm often accused of that. All right. Here's your your two minutes of hate, people. Straight out of uh, the... I forget what it was now. Ingsoc, which was... Oh, forget. uh, The Ministry of Truth. Here's your Ministry of Truth. Two minutes of hate. We just concluded day 22 of our trial against... (laughs) Sorry, I gotta gotta stop there. Day 22... (laughs) I mean, okay, sorry. You wonder uh, bad things happen when judicial resources are wasted on persecutions? They do. Day 22 of the New York Attorney General. Okay, sorry, I got to stop. We just concluded day 22 of our trial (laughs) against Donald Trump, the Trump Mm -hmm. Organization, and other defendants. Today, Mm -hmm. we heard testimony from Donald Trump's sons and co-defendants, Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump. As a trustee of the Donald J. Trump Revocable Trust, Donald Trump Jr. often made financial and business decisions on behalf of his father. He testified that he signed multiple documents confirming the accuracy of Donald Trump's statements of financial condition and the Trump Organization's compliance with loan terms. But those documents were not accurate, and he knew it. In fact, just a week after he was confronted with the truth that his father's triplex was three times smaller than the statement of financial conditions that it was, Donald Trump Jr. continued to lie. He certified to the family's accountants that all the information he sent them was accurate, including the value of the falsely enlarged triplex. Next, Eric Trump took the stand and insisted Mm -hmm. that he had never heard about his father's statements of financial condition before our investigation. He told us his job was just to pour concrete. But his emails tell a different story. On multiple occasions over the years, Eric Trump worked on his father's statements of financial condition, and he was intimately involved in lying about the values of properties like Seven Springs and Briarcliff to make his father appear richer than he actually was. Next week, Donald Trump himself (laughs) took the stand. And while I am sure he will try to hide his wrongdoing behind taunts, threats, name-calling, we will not be bullied out of uncovering the truth. 
Can you believe this? I tell you, I don't know if it's inappropriate, but it seems like it's wildly inappropriate for an attorney general in the midst of an ongoing trial. Now, I've been following the trial. I've been following, uh, I, I hope I'm getting his name right, Daniel Klasfeld on Twitter, who's doing live tweeting. Leticia James, can you imagine the attorney general with the full backing of the government, of the institutions, is accusing Trump of bullying anybody? Can you believe the confession through projection to quote the ever often quoted uh, theme of my channel? Confession through projection. It's one of, no, it wasn't Saul Alinsky's rules for radicals. It was actually Joseph Goebbels' rule of propaganda. Accuse your enemy of doing what you are doing so as to create confusion. Leticia James, the attorney general, with the backing of Judge Engron, who's got all the tools to do whatever he wants, is accusing Trump of bullying anybody. Summarizing Don Trump Jr.'s testimony as him having seemingly contradicted his statements that I, I, didn't, I didn't know much about anything. I signed off on documents and anybody following Daniel Klasfeld's live tweet, they didn't get much, if anything, out of Don Trump Jr.'s testimony, except, and I'll finish it with that, potential perjury trap, which is all I think that this is. Don Trump Jr. basically says, I, I signed off on what the professional said was okay. What they said was good. And what's the victim in this entire trial? Leticia James put up a graph the other day, which showed how much the banks, the Deutsche Bank in particular, I think, how much the banks would have collected in interest had they charged Trump the interest rate that they would have charged him had he been honest, had he accurately reflected the values of his properties. And her, <laughs> I mean, her, her discovering the victim, the banks would have made $168 million more million had Trump accurately um, valued his property. You gotta, you gotta hand it to Leticia. She's out there fighting for the itty-bitty banks who didn't collect as much in interest as they could have Ignoring the um, outrageously apparent reality, I presume the banks didn't just lend, I don't know how much you have to lend in order to have missed out on profits of $168 million in interest. I don't know how much you have to lend. But one would have to presume, unless the banks are, they are corrupt, but there's an old expression, everyone's a fool uh, until it comes to their own affairs. They might be corrupt, but they're not dumb. The idea that the banks would have lent Trump however much money would have been required in order for them to have been denied profits of $168 million without themselves doing their own evaluations of the assets that they were basically securing their loans with, without doing their own evaluations and being satisfied with their own evaluations, it's idiotic to a point that even a child would understand. But set that aside. Trump, Don Jr. comes in and says, I signed up and that was it. The banks did their own evaluations, and that's it. And the victim in this is the poor bank that didn't get to charge as much interest as they otherwise would have, which begs the other question, who's to say that if they were going to charge Trump 4.5% interest instead of 3.5% interest so they could make that 100, who's to say he would have borrowed that money in the first place? But he enriched himself by not paying the interest to the bank because he evaluated Mar-a-Lago at several hundred million dollars where Judge Engron, uh, you know, said, well, a, a county appraiser comes to 18 to 27 million dollars. I was there uh, two nights ago for the um, premiere of Dinesh D'Souza's police state. Very apropos. Everyone should should rush out and see it. It's on Rumble. Dinesh D'Souza police state. Uh, Dan Bongino sort of co-hosts it. It's, it's or co-documents. It. It's fantastic. We're at Mar-a-Lago, and I'm walking around thinking, 
yeah, this, this looks like an 18 to $27 million property. The patch of grass behind the pool at Mar-a-Lago is worth more than 18 to $27 million. The little patch of grass in between four palm trees is worth more than that. And they've called Don Trump Jr. He testified he's out. Eric is testifying now. We're going to have to catch up at the end of the day. Ivanka tried to have her subpoena quashed. Judge Engeron said, no, 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 no. You're going to come testify. It's a perjury trap. Nothing less, nothing more. And it's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's an absolute bastardizing of the judicial system, of the, the pillars of a free, uh, what I thought was a free and democratic society. It, it, it's... We are weaponizing. It's one thing to weaponize prosecution, but you've weaponized prosecution justice system. You have January Sixers going to jail for years, years for nonviolent crimes. You have Owen Schroyer going to jail and now back in solitary for speech. And you got some members of the GOP who are running for, uh, you know, who are running for that that nomination who are not up in arms about it. Why? Because I think some of them think that they can benefit from it as if it can never happen to them, as if the same system which can find the crime if it finds the man will not find the crime in them. And Owen Schroyer going, getting locked up for two months, having no, no bond posted for anybody who doesn't know this. I presume everybody does no bond pending appeal so that by the time his appeal is heard, he'll have already done his 60 days in jail was in solitary confinement for a week for COVID safety. Now back in solitary, because apparently put up a tweet that the system didn't like. Solitary confinement is torture. There is nothing you can do to torture an animal more than solitary confinement in confined spaces. You want to see torture? Go look at, she's no longer there because she died, Lolita at Miami Seaquarium. Go look at higher order mammals in captivity. The greatest torture anyone can inflict on a human is solitary confinement. And they're doing that to Owen Schroyer right now. Why for speech? Because he said 1776. And I said, and I think Vivek Ramaswamy is, is sensitive to this. If 1776 is offensive, violent speech, Vivek's got to worry about it. Uh, DeSantis has got to worry about trafficking charges. If they think this system, which might benefit them now, will not come back to bite them in the butt, they've got something else coming. Coming back uh, after the break, we're going to get into the Canadian stuff. I promise. Viva Fry hosting for Alex on the Alex Jones Show. Um, it's going to get good. We're going to talk Canada. I think we've covered enough of the American stuff. Coming back after the break. Your voice counts. When you share information, be it over the internet or in person, it changes the world. The globalists know their agenda is unpopular. They know you're angry. And now to get around big tech, it's more important than ever that we use every tool we've got. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you sign up for our free news and show alerts, you can then take those alerts, those articles and those live feeds, both the regular shows, the special reports, and share them with everyone you know. Take action now by texting the word NEWS, N-E-W-S, to 833-470-0438. That's 833-470-0438 for InfoWars emergency news alerts. Or text the word SHOW to 833-470-0438 and receive live show notifications. Take action now, create the chain reaction, and tell others to share those texts. Get news alerts at 833-470-0438. 
What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented Made in America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. Have you ever thought about turning your Glock, XD Family, or 1911 handgun into a semi-automatic carbine? It only takes about 30 seconds. The MacTech carbine upper is classified as an accessory and can be delivered right to your doorstep with no FFL or background check required. It's the world's most versatile pistol accessory. Build your custom upper today. Simply go to handgunconversion.com. That's handgunconversion.com. You're listening to The Alex Jones Show. You are listening to an InfoWars. If that hasn't upset you enough, let's, uh, let's take a... How many hours did it take for me to drive from Florida to Canada? Let's take a 24-hour drive to the north of the border to talk about what's going on in Canada. There's something that, um, I, you know, I remember discovering. And when, when you discover something for the first time, you remember what it feels like. The, you know, when it's a good thing, you remember the beauty, the wonder of what it's like to catch a fish for the first time, what it's like to see the Rocky Mountains for the first time, what it's like to see the Grand Canyon for the first time. And to approach the edge of that cliff and hear the expanse of nothingness and to hear it. You never forget that. Well, there's also not forgetting, there's also remembering what it felt like the first time you discovered something absolutely terrible. And I remember, I think it was about two years ago. My brother, who's also on Twitter, who's also a lawyer, uh, Lion Advocacy, shout out Dan, keep fighting the good fight, posted a tweet about the numbers of euthanasia um, people who were I put to death is hyperbolic, but when you hear uh, the reality of it, there's no other way to put it, by the Canadian government under what they call medical assistance in dying in Canada. The number was 10,064. So whenever that number became available, that's when I discovered this. And I, I texted my brother, I said, Dan, that can't be right. It's not possible that Canada has euthanized 10,000 Canadians. It, for those, to put it into perspective, because numbers, you know, I think it was Stalin who said one death is a tragedy, a million is a statistic. Sometimes statistics will actually make you uh, appreciate how outrageous it is. In 2021, the Canadian government euthanized or allowed for the euthanization, uh, medical assistance in dying, of 10,064 Canadians. That represented at the time 3.1% of all death in Canada. It, just understand that. It was like one of the leading causes of death in Canada was euthanasia. They don't call it euthanasia because every regime likes to go with their euphemisms. A regime once upon a time used to refer to it as um, mercy killings of the mentally ill and the handicapped. Uh, you know, euthanasia was the term for a long time, but I think it's got some baggage. Trudeau's regime went with medical assistance in dying. In 2016, 2015, 2016, there was a Supreme Court decision that said... Uh, not allowing for euthanasia for terminally ill people was a constitutional violation. People have the right to choose to die. 
the liberal government passed legislation uh, and during the debates for this, uh, unsolicited said, you know what, we, should, we don't want to deny the right to die to the mentally ill either. Like you have to allow the mentally ill who in law, mental illness vitiates contracts. You, you don't want to deny them the right to consent to end their life. And so they said, we're going to include that. But there was a bit of a, there was a bit of ethical, uh, ethical uh, debates. So they said, okay, well, we're going to exclude it for now, but that exclusion comes to an end and it came to an end, give or take 2023, 2024. Canada has now, for those who don't know, expanded it even more to include uh, drug addiction where there is no otherwise underlying uh, terminal illness. The numbers basically, I say doubled every year. They they went from uh, a couple thousand to 10,000 in five years. It became an industry. When I say it became an industry, um, if you haven't seen this commercial, Simon's is a clothing store. Ask what on earth they have to do with euthanasia. And there's a sick, twisted, demented punchline to this story. They ran an ad. Last breaths are sacred. When I imagine my final days, I see bubbles. This is a woman who who chose uh, allegedly to end her own life. I see the ocean. I see music. Talk about turning euthanasia into a business to glamorize it. This also came out during the COVID era where people, I believe, uh, I believe it came out during the COVID era where people were already somewhat distressed about the, the, the lamentable state of the world. Even now, as I seek help to end my life, there is still so much beauty. You just As I seek help to end my life. You have to be brave enough to see it. You have to be brave enough. Jennifer. 1985 to 2022, as she seeks to end her life, there's beauty in life. You just have to be brave enough to find it. You, you know what the sick punchline to that, to that commercial was? Simon's is a clothing store making a tribute video to Jennifer who chose to end her life. You know what the sick, twisted punchline to that is? She wasn't terminally ill. You know what the even sicker, twisted punchline to that was? Allegedly, from reports, she didn't even want to die. Woman featured in pro-euthanasia commercial wanted to live, save friends. I feel like I'm falling through the cracks. So if I'm not able to access healthcare, am I then able to access death care? Hatch said in a CTV interview. Jennifer Hatch. She wasn't terminally ill. She chose to end her life because the healthcare system in the socialized healthcare of Canada was so lamentable. She couldn't get the treatments that she needed for a non-terminal illness. And she took her own life with the assistance of government. Whether or not that's euthanasia, medical assistance in dying, mercy killings, or state-sanctioned murder, I guess only depends on your perspective. And now they're broadening. They're broadening it to include drug addicts. But the, the numbers, by the way, just came out for 2022. If you didn't think the numbers for 2021 were shocking and obscene enough, um, the numbers for 2022 are out. And spoiler alert, they're even more shocking and obscene. And that's if you could even believe these numbers, which I will unabashedly, unashamedly say I do not. I do not believe the number is only 13,241. But the number being reported now, 13,241 Canadians euthanized in 2022 and it's rising. Do you know what that represents by way of total death in Canada? Of all the deaths in Canada, 4.1% come from the government. We don't need to go through the whole article. The number is 
shocking. Canada released its annual euthanasia report for 2022, and it's bleak. It's a bleak business, depending on who you're asking. And we're going to segue into another law that was just passed in Canada in New Brunswick. Presumed consent for organ donning. Not that I'm connecting all these dots, but at some point in time, it becomes difficult not to. Thirteen, more than 13,000 Canadians received lethal jabs, representing 4.1% of all deaths in the country. And listen to this, by the way. 22, in 2022, there were 13,000 made provisions reported in Canada. That's medical assistance in dying. Mercy killing, if you want to go by the older term. And by the way, I say this on my channel all the time for anybody who might find it offensive to draw comparisons between this program and I think it was called Axion 14 by Nazi Germany, Mercy Killings. Go look up a Forbes article that says Trudeau's new policy um, echoes Nazi era eugenics policy. Go look up that article. Forbes is saying it, not me, although I'm saying it as well. But there's something else in this article, which is uh, unbelievable. There are more than 93,000 doctors in Canada. Thankfully, most do not lethally inject patients. The total number of unique practitioners providing euthanasia was 1,837, up 20%. Okay? Among physicians... Sorry, there was one part I wanted to get to here. That's right. 95% of all made practitioners, 5% are administered by nurse practitioners. 4.1% of death in Canada is administered by the government. In Quebec, it was the third leading cause of death unless I'm making a mistake, unless I'm mistaken. Um, and it was so shocking that the government of Quebec said, we have to pull back this policy. We're, being, we're starting to get made fun of on an international scale. 4.1%, all death in Canada. And when you see how it all loops together, now they want to, dec- they want to extend it for, the men- for drug addicts while simultaneously decriminalizing hard drugs in British Columbia. If you don't put these dots together, I don't know who will. Coming back from the break, Viva Fry on The Alex Jones Show. See you on the other side. So many people say to me, Alex, please stop being so negative. Well, for me, admitting I've gotten a rotten tooth and going in a root canal is not negative. It hurts. It stinks. It's got pus coming out of it. I go to the doctor, they fix it. That's not negative. I'm not living in denial. And so think of globalism as being hidden as an infection that we didn't feel yet, but now it's come to the surface. That's actually a positive thing. And so, yeah, Trump did overall a great job. They stole the election. We can't get down about that. We have forced them out in the open. So now they're trying to suppress us because they know they've been exposed. They're scared. That's why instead of saying, oh, we're a bunch of losers, look what happened. No, we're a bunch of winners. They're trying to suppress us. Let our light of truth shine and tell everybody what's happening. Your own website, your own show, my show, other articles, other videos. Just keep sharing however you can and realize we're in an information war. We're going to win this together. And the fight starts at InfoWars.com. You're listening to The Alex Jones Show. Breaking through the lies of the New World Order, it's Alex Jones. Back on camera. <laughs> All right, everybody. 
Uh, welcome back, Alex Jones Show, Viva Fry, uh, doing a guest host, I guess we can call it, uh, Montreal litigator turned Florida rumbler. Talking about the madness in Canada, because although I have left Canada temporarily for the time being, uh, Canada will never leave me because it was my home, and never in a million years in my, well, I should say, never in my entire life did I ever think that I would be chased from my home. But then again, never in my entire life did I ever think that the government would turn my home into an actual prison. And I mean this literally. You know, people go on house arrest as a form of punishment for having broken the law. I'm in Quebec, where we went on house arrest because the government decided to slap a curfew on us for five and a half months in 2021 to fight a virus, even though they knew damn well that it had nothing to do with fighting a virus. Don't get me started. Get me started. I'm started. Our government, even when they announced the curfew in Quebec to combat the virus, acknowledged that there was no scientific basis to invoke a curfew to combat a virus, but it would serve as a reminder to everyone how serious the situation was. And it worked so well the first time, they locked us down for a month or so of uh, the year later. Never in a million years did I ever think I would be chased from my country because my country would have been turned into a prison. All right, but now we're looking at my country and what's going on. And when I first found out that 10,000 people were euthanized in 2021, now it's 13,000. And by the way, I should just preface this by saying my father-in-law passed away from cancer. I have enough, I mean, although I think some people might even disagree with me on this, I do believe that people who are terminally ill should have the right to end their lives with dignity, without the inevitable, uh, unavoidable pain and suffering that comes with whatever terminal illness they have. There is a world of difference between someone with pancreatic cancer and three months to live and all that that three months would consist of is pain and agony. There's a world of difference between that and authorizing euthanasia for the mentally ill, which is now going to be the case in Canada. Uh, discussion about expanding it to children. Discussing it, discussing about expanding it to children who can't consent. And so you'll have parents consenting to euthanize children on the basis that it's in the child's best interest. Uh, there's a world of difference between that. And where we're at now in Canada, by the way, an article just came out. Again, the Daily Mail is doing some good work putting, putting Canada on the worst kind of blast that they should be on. Canada to euthanize, Canada to legalize euthanasia for drug addicts with no other illness in March. We're not going to read the whole thing, but we might read a little, bit, a little bit of it. Canada is due to legalize euthanasia for people addicted to drugs next year in a move activists are comparing to eugenics. I'm not an activist. I'm comparing it to another uh, era of, of, of time. I'm, I, w whenever anyone asks me how could things have ever have happened that have happened historically, historical atrocities, I never need someone to ask me that question again. I've lived through it and I'm seeing it in real time. When the country's law around medical assistance in dying changes in March 2024, mental patients, include, including those uh, with substance abuse issues with no physical ailments will be able to seek assisted suicide. What could possibly go wrong? And then we go the stats. Here are the stats, people. A thousand in 2016 to 13,000 in 2023, all under the Trudeau regime. My goodness. I mean, I guess it's a mark of success to some extent. But, and once upon a time when they were talking about the policy, CBC, uh, Canada Broadcasting Corporation, the, the, the state-funded propagandist outlet in Canada, said, don't, don't worry, people. It won't cost the system any more money. It might actually save the system money. Oh, wow, thanks. I, I, didn't, I didn't think of that as a financial incentive to kill the ill and to kill those who are just a bit of a burden 
on the healthcare system. Bear in mind, people, I won't pull up all of these articles. There was a woman who uh, received euthanasia because she had multiple chemical sensitivity and couldn't find proper housing that wouldn't um, aggravate her, what is a severe allergy, multiple chemical sensitivity, chose death and received it from the government. Well, I'm sure that saved the government a lot of money. There was a veteran who called in veteran services suffering from PTSD, and they said, I'm paraphrasing, have you thought about killing yourself? And then when that story broke, true to us to tell us, oh, no, that's not what it's about. No, no, no. It, it not only won't cost the system more money, it might actually save you money. Oh, but, but by the way, above and beyond that, now we can, you know, we don't even have to terminate the, the terminal yield. You could just choose it. Addicted to drugs? There was a poll that came out that said like two-thirds of Canadians supported euthanasia for the homeless. Oh, what could possibly go wrong? Let's just connect a couple of dots here, people. Some of you may never have heard of this law. Another one where I remember where I was when I learned this. New Brunswick became the second province in Canada to uh, uh, enact legislation of presumed consent for organ donation. Now, I'm not connecting dots, everybody. I'm just saying they're there. And they all seem to be lining up. It's called Avery's Law. Makes organ tissue donation automatic in New Brunswick, with some exceptions. Well, thank goodness there's some exceptions. Province becomes the second jurisdiction in Canada after Nova Scotia to move to this model. I, I've got to get the um, I've got to get the, the the most outrageous part of this. The the purpose of this law was that apparently a 16-year-old kid named Avery, uh, his, la- his last name was Avery, died in a car accident. His parents wanted to give his organs, and they couldn't because there wasn't, uh, there wasn't an infrastructure in place to allow for the willful donation of Avery's organs, including his eyes. They enact this law, which is now presumed consent. And when you realize that you don't actually have to be dead in order for it to work. Uh, let me see here. Look at this. What the new law will change on a daily basis is that everyone will be considered a potential donor in the event of a neurological tragedy. You don't even have to be dead, leading to brain death and a declaration of physical death according to rigorous criteria. It can also affect a neurological trauma without brain death, but with a patient in a vegetative state. There's a bureaucrat, a medical professional that they may be, that can decide when someone is close enough to death to deem them dead for the purposes of organ donation. Um, what, what could possibly go wrong with that? Take some wild guesses. This is not going to impact the people with family members to fight for them in the hospital. This is going to impact the most vulnerable members of society. You're allowed to kill yourself now, even if you don't have a terminal illness, if you have a mental illness, a drug addiction. And there's two provinces now with presumed consent for organ donation, and you don't even have to be dead, people. Someone has to come in and say, yeah, you're mostly dead. I feel like, I feel like Billy Crystal out of Princess Bride. Mad Max. Was it Mad Max? I feel like uh, the, the magician, Max the magician out of Princess Bride. You're mostly dead. You're close enough to dead. Let's, let's go harvest those organs. My goodness, it sure is a good thing we got 13,000 people now. More to harvest organs from. And that's assuming you even believe the numbers. Extend it to the mentally ill, extended to drug addicts. Oh, and while they're passing uh, laws of presumed consent in New Brunswick, I'm not connecting any dots here. What are they doing in British Columbia? Decriminalize people who use drugs in BC. Don't you love the framing of a government? You're decriminalizing people, not the drugs. Go down to the highlighted part. What changes? Let's, let's hear what changes. With, with all these new laws, presumed consent, extending uh, euthanasia to drug addicts. Under this exemption, 
Adults 18 years and older in BC are not arrested or charged for possessing small amounts of certain illegal drugs for personal use. The illegal drugs covered by the exemption are opioids, crack cocaine, methamphetamine, MMDA. When does it come into effect? January 31st, 2023 to January 31st, 2026. Is it a coincidence? What does Steve Bannon say? Once is an accident, twice is a coincidence, three times is enemy action. I'm not connecting these dots, but I might be thinking that there might be some connection to a system that can't stand on its own. And instead of repairing the system, facilitate people removing themselves from their system. You save the money on the sick people. You might save some money on the organs. And while you expand it to the drug addicts of the world, you facilitate the drug addicts to become drug addicts. Um, I don't know what to say other than to say, holy, sweet, merciful goodness, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. Viva Fry, hosting InfoWars, Alex Jones. We are coming back after the break with a special message from Alex Jones. Why do you think the globalists are desperately trying to censor everybody? Why are they attacking myself and Donald Trump and Elon Musk and everybody else? Because they can't get through this giant megalomaniacal power grab if we're here exposing them. But we're not just exposing their operation. In my new book, we give you the solutions to build a new, better world, an alternative to Klaus Schwab's You Will Eat the Bugs. This is the Great Awakening, the plan to defeat the globalist and launch the second great renaissance. It's a companion to my last book that was a number one worldwide bestseller. And this book is even thicker and even more powerful. Get your copy of The Great Awakening today at InfoWarsStore.com. Either signed as a fundraiser, and I thank you for the support, or unsigned. But whatever you do, take action now. We're fighting for you, but we can't keep on if you don't support us. So please, get the historic book now. Go now to InfoWarsStore.com and get The Great Awakening. The Great Awakening at InfoWarsStore. You're going to want to pay attention to what I'm about to say in the next 60 seconds. Two new incredible products are now available exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com. They are both clones of national best-selling products from a major pharmaceutical-slash-supplement maker that are listeners and patriots that are allowing us to private label it at a lower price you'll find in stores. It's Joint Relief Max and Nerve Renew. Both of these have known documented natural compounds to lower pain and to also make your nerves healthier, which is one of the major reasons nerves get irritated and are more inductive to pain. There's major research behind this all. You need to get Joint Relief Max from InfoWars MD and Nerve Renew from InfoWars MD exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com right now. Introducing them both, 25% off. You'll find them exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com and they fund their operation. 